Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady and Martin Paloma. Welcome into another edition of Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. I'm Neil McCrady, Martin Paloma with me as well. We normally tape on Tuesdays. This is a Thursday. It's 11, 13 central daylight time on Thursday, October the 1st. We've made it to the final quarter of this godforsaken year. So congratulations to us all. We should be commended. I think it's okay to give participation trophies this year. For surviving 2020. I think it's okay to call it a party. (laughs) No doubt. I do. I just think it's exciting. Um, All right. uh, Before we get started, I'll tell you that I'm coming to you from Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi. 662-257-1900 is the number. Call and ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He will send you a quote uh, within 15 minutes and business hours. Right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. And the rest is completely up to you. You can shop that quote around or you can do what I've done. What I recommend that you do, and that is hop into a Clark Ford today. You will love the service. You'll love the product. Uh, Corey wants to be your truck guy. He wants to be your car guy. He will prove to you what that means when you make the call. 662-257-1900. And Martin, before we get started with today's festivities, tell the people out there a little bit about Pinnacle Trust and how they can get in touch with you all. Indeed. So I guess technically I'm coming from the our Jackson version of the Pelican Club Studios since uh, I am home today, working from home and being a little bit of caretaker to my bride who is recovering from surgery. So uh, if it sounds a little different, it's because I'm in a house with wooden floors and it feels like sound is bouncing around everywhere. Um, anyway, for our listeners that haven't listened before, um, you know, Pinnacle Trust was started uh, in '97 by Stacy Wall, and uh, one of the one of the ideas was to, you know, to to be able to provide comprehensive advice to clients and do it in a way that puts us uh, on the same side of the of the table as it comes to you know managing the investments and uh, and having success when when our clients have success and then also feeling the you know the pain of a of of a falling market. Um, with, with our fee income, uh, you know, this year has been like you kind of alluded to in the beginning, man, it has been, um, it has been a year that when we exit, I will not say, uh, man, I wish I could live that year again. It has been, you know, hellacious for people personally. Oh, and then hell also, no, hell no, I'm not living 2020. <laughs> no, sir. Maybe no. that, maybe that uh-uh. should be punishment, man. Like if you commit a crime, you just have to live 2020 again. That would do it. That would do it. That Quite would do erratic. it. <laughs> might eradicate all, all crime. All crime. People. Yep. Death commit crime no matter what. Indeed, man. And I mean, the markets have been, it's been bipolar in markets too. We'll talk a little bit about that today as well. I know we'll talk some other stuff as well, but man, I know some people who've been doing it on their own, um, you know, probably stomachs are in knots. A lot of folks who are first timers coming into the markets this year, um, especially if they got in after March, it probably seems really, really easy but now we've kind of hit some bumpy waters 
Um, but anyway, we'll kind of talk all about that. But if, uh, if either of those situations kind of describe your situation of, you know, you don't have anyone helping you plan, make sure that you're making the right decisions or your stomachs and knots, give us a call 601-957-0323. Or you can catch us uh, on email at info at PINNtrust.com. We're also really, really active uh, on social media. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you can find us either look, search for Pinnacle Trust or Mind on My Money Podcast. And uh, we'll be quickly to respond. Uh, 601 nine five seven zero three two three so tuesday night one of the reasons we didn't tape on tuesday morning at the normal time is we're like well what are we going to talk about and it was like well we're going to talk about the debate and I'm like, well by the time people hear it the debate will be over and i don't know that either of us would have been able to correctly foreshadow what was coming <laughs> well on, t- yeah. on tuesday night i thought it would be heated i thought it would be pretty interesting i had no idea that it would just be an absolute dumpster fire (laughs) yeah i i i I didn't anticipate that i i can tell you that i did not what happened on tuesday was not what i expected i that was not that was not the best best look america's ever had going for it uh no man i mean and look i'm i'm never embarrassed to be an american uh i love our country um but man, it was not a good look. I bet, I bet you we made a couple of other countries that had some black eyes say, "Hey, at least we're not those clowns." Oh yeah, no. Look, I'm I'm never embarrassed to be an American either. Don't get me wrong, but that was not right. a good look for our country. That no. that that was that was not. It, and now I will say this: as we get started, I did think it was pretty reflective of where we are as a country right now. I tweeted that. At one point, and people thought I was kind of joking, I wasn't. Here in the last several months, things have been ugly, and there's a lot of hatred, I think, for lack of a better word, that yep. has been spewed um, by lots of people. There's lots of blame to go around. Trump, the media, um, Antifa. Across the board, there's just a lot of blame. It's been ugly. There's a lot of people that are, people are tired of, of COVID. People are tired of wearing masks. People don't trust uh, a lot of the health officials. You know, we've been told by health officials just two more weeks and the hospitals will be full. And five weeks later, the hospitals aren't full and you wait for them to go, hey, we got it wrong. They don't. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of that. People are, people are fed up. And uh, I thought that was in many ways reflected in the debate between uh, the president and the former vice president. I, I thought... It's kind of like hey, these two people hate each other, which is p- pretty par for the course because there's a lot of hate in our country right now. There is, man. And, you know, but I wonder, you know, a lot of times the extremes are the ones that get the mic, right? But if you actually took a the pulse of like normal middle America, I think I think normal middle middle America is fed up with both with both of these things, both sides. Um, you know, and you're, so. and you're right, man, it is. We're in a time that, you know, at least in in my short life that I've been here, I can't remember the vitriol just being so polarizing and like the hate spewing so much. And, you know, I think social media definitely fans the fire. Um, and man, I'm, I'm, I kind of, you know, one of my buddies, it was hilarious and it's so true what he posted after, um, 
after the debate, he's, he said, you know, can essentially, can we just be, can we be single for the next four years and kind of find ourselves and figure ourselves out? And I kind of laugh because it's, you know, when, uh, after you've been in a relationship that's volatile and crazy, it's like, man, you need a break and you just need to find yourself. And I feel like that's where we are in America. Like we, we don't need to jump into another relationship. Let's wait four years and, and then, and find ourselves first before we jump into another relationship. Yeah, you come out of a tumultuous relationship that was a difficult breakup or whatever, and, and one of your friends says, hey, man, I know this girl. And you're like, nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. Not, not, maybe in six months, but not today. Yeah. Yeah, I, I need a break. I, 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 there's People talk about Trump fatigue, and it's definitely a real thing. I'm, 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 it is a real thing. Um, there's also political fatigue that I think sets in. I, at the end of this... Look, I, I think as of today, the Democrats are going to win. They're going to win. I think they're going to win everything. And if they do, they better be careful. Because they, uh, I, I, think, I think there's a large segment of the, of the American populace that will say, okay, well, you get your chance. And if they go crazy, there will be a pushback on the other side. I, I just, that's where I sense this going. You might disagree. Um, you know, the, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna reserve the right to wait to see what happens in January. Um, cause you know, I thought I, I thought I had it nailed in 2016 and I was totally surprised, um, you know, election night, you know, and the one thing that won't surprise me and we've talked, we've, we've talked about this before is when we go to bed on election night, I don't think we're going to wake up the next morning knowing who who our next president is. And I think it's going to be a while before we do. Um, and I'm, I may be wrong about that, but well, you know, it's my, to beer garden earlier this morning with uh, Jeff per year, who's a democratic pollster in Florida. And he said that there are two of the States that are, are the big swing States with mail-in are um, Ohio and Florida. He thinks both of those States, no matter who wins, whether it's Trump or Biden, he thinks both of those States, we will know the answer as to who won Florida and who won Biden. I mean, who won Ohio on election night? Was that a Freudian slip? No, he, he actually <laughs> thought both states were really close. He thought Florida was a, a, a coin toss right now. Um, wow. But he did say that there are some other, like, let's say in this scenario that Trump wins Florida and that Trump wins Ohio. We're obviously now we're getting into a really close race. Mm-hmm. Um, he did say one of the states that is going to have some mail in, I don't know if issues is the right word, that's probably putting words on, on, in his mouth. But, you know, there are going to be a lot of mail-in votes that aren't counted on election night is Pennsylvania. And Pennsylvania, in a scenario where Trump wins Florida and Trump wins Ohio, all eyes will be on, on Pennsylvania. On the, on the converse, if Trump doesn't win Florida and or doesn't win Ohio, if he loses both, for example, we can all kid ourselves. The, the race is over. You know, and I wonder... One of the, and one of the things he said debate night was, um, you know, he, he didn't confirm that he would accept a result. Um, you know, and of course Biden did. And he says, if he, you know, if he, if he wins or loses, he's going to accept the results of the election. And, and, and Trump, Trump did not say that. Uh, and, and it's not the first time that he didn't say it. And that, that makes me, 
that does make me a little nervous if I'm being totally honest, because the integrity of the integrity of uh, integrity of the elections is really at stake. Um, and I, I don't want this to be the beginning of a slippery slope and cause dude, oh, no. what could be chaos for markets too. And there's, and it'd be chaos in other places is that, is that this thing goes contested. And even in, on the day we're supposed to be swearing in a new president that, that it's, you know, tied up in court. Yeah. And in that case, we swear in a new president. We swear in Nancy Pelosi. Is that so Trump's pardon me for my ignorance here. Is that what happens if we are uncontested on January the 20th at noon Eastern time, his term? That's correct. One of the things that he said the other night that was accurate was he was elected for four years. Yeah, he was. He was. That that is uh, he was right and a half. People got mad about it. I'm like, I don't know why you're mad. It's a factual statement. (laughs) That term ends on January the 20th. And so if the result of the election is still tied up, his term as president ends, and he effectively at that moment is no longer the president. Effectively at that moment. um, Speaker of the House. Yeah. uh, uh, Vice President Pence is no longer the vice president because his term ends at the same time. Yeah, makes sense. So at that point, the third in line would be the Speaker of the House, and she would still be the elected Speaker of the House. My understanding of the way the Constitution works in that scenario, she would become president. And I don't know how that, until I guess until the, the, the election was resolved, I'm with you. I don't think, whether you're for Trump or, or for Biden or anything else, I the one of the th- what has not one of the things the thing the thing that has made our country uniquely great is that throughout its history and we've had a tumultuous history like yep. any other yep we've had a civil war for god's sake um what makes our country great is that we have always had a peaceful transition of power uh you know when bill clinton defeated george hw bush George H.W. Bush left a note on the desk and rode with the president to the Capitol and observed the, the what had to have been had to have been an incredibly difficult day to watch his presidency end and to watch the man who beat him become the president. Yeah. But he did, and he got on the helicopter and he flew back to wherever it is he and Barbara Bush flew back to. That's happened throughout history in our country. And that's what makes us great. Uh, if we get away from that, like you said, it's 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 not a slippery slope. I, I fear that it would be falling off of a cliff, and I, that's what that's what does worry me. Yeah, I mean, it would be literally the end of a republic. And you know, I'm going to put my Star Wars, my little nerdy Star Wars quote in here, and uh, you know, Padme in Star Wars says, "You know, this is how a republic dies with thunderous applause." You know, and I can't. I hope that we our republic does not die with thunderous applause, but um, but I think that what that's what makes us great too is that we are a republic. Um, we are. I think a lot of people get confused and call us a democracy, which is 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 technically not true. We're we are technically a republic, so we elect people to make decisions on our behalf, um, and it is but it's not a majority rule, which would be technically a democracy, correct? Yeah. All right, so, let me ask you this. Yeah, we got up. We got up on Wednesday morning, and the markets were uh, were down a little. Mm-hmm. What was the 
market reaction to the debate Tuesday night? Um, I mean, markets were up on Wednesday to, you know, to, to finish the quarter out. The crazy thing is, is so, I mean, the markets were on a tear July, August. I mean, we had, we had one of the best quarters that we've ever had in history. And then September, we had four consecutive weeks of falling markets and it wasn't, you know, we didn't, it wasn't down much. We still ended the quarter like the S and P 500 is in, was it up high single digits, like eight and a half percent, something like that. So it was a, it was an, it was a, an absolute astounding quarter for, for the financial markets, you know, and a lot of what really drove Wednesday wasn't, wasn't what it wasn't the debate stuff. It was, you know, hopes and promises that, uh, um, that there's going to be another stimulus package. And then there was some, there was some positive economic news to, uh, like, the second quarter GDP was revised up slightly. Um, we're, we think we're going to have a really strong GDP number um, for third quarter. It'll probably fall off a little bit fourth quarter because it was just like a slingshot effect, right? It had been backed up and then released. Um, so I really think that's what drove the Wednesday returns versus, um, you know, versus a, so anything that had to do with the debates. But I don't know. The... The stuff that made me nervous in the debate, man, more than anything else, not all of the, and that was a dumpster fire. I think everyone can agree on that. But the thing that just makes me nervous is that transition of power, man. And you know, it's, it's kind of crazy because you and I alluded to this months ago, like months ago when we, when we were podcasting, talking about, you know, what could be the biggest things to derail investment portfolios and, uh, you know, and I said, and I'll quote what I said, it was, you know, not, uh, there not being a peaceful transition of power. And I know we were kind of like, man, that's never happened before. I just hope to God that that's, that doesn't happen. Yeah, I, I do too. No matter, no matter who you're for, it can't happen. It's, it's one of the reasons I'm, I'm, again, we, I think we have some fatigue here. It's, I, I yeah. hope that the next couple of debates can be more on substance, even if they go after each other. It's it's really interesting. Biden didn't do anything to, quote, win the debate. There was nothing that Joe Biden did that was impressive. Nothing yeah. Trump did was impressive. They both had faux pas. They both had, they both had um, instances where they didn't answer a question or right. didn't say something that they probably should have said, but it right. was so tumultuous that uh, I'm not sure that I can even blame either one of them for it, you know. Um, I, but I, I want, I want the next time they're on the stage together. I wish it could just—I don't know. You know what I'm trying to say? Mark. Yeah, that it not look like that. I mean, even so much that the election committee came out and said, or the debate committee came out and said, or maybe it was the election committee who's re responsible for the debates. And I may the be missing my words. Presidential debates. Yep. You know, come out and said they're going to do a different format. But man, you know. Chris Wallace, I know he, I mean, it was out of control from the right out of the gate. And I don't know how he could have, you know, done. I don't know what he could have done early to get control of it. Um, but man, he certainly didn't help with the, you know, kind of, I don't know, man. It just seemed like he was, he had inserted himself into the debate and, 
that's never what you want from a moderator, right? You want essentially you're hoping that a moderator stays totally impartial, which will also, you know, never happen. But, um, but also, you know, you kind of hope that, that, that there's some rules of engagement that are agreed upon on the front end or some way to, to, you know, make sure those rules are enforced. And, and you, and you gotta, I mean, Trump is a wild card, man. He is a firecracker for sure. And trying to control him is like probably me trying to control my, you know, when my kids were two and three and four years old. You know, I saw it differently than you did. Isn't that funny? I, I, I did not believe that there was anything Wallace could have done. I don't think Wallace had bias. Um, I think it got out of hand quickly. I've seen an interview with him where he said at the very beginning he felt like, "Oh wow, this is going to be great. They're going to, they're actually going to debate." And uh, and then it was quickly that. They got out of hand, yeah. and I think more than anything, he was trying to get it back under control throughout. And the one that it was very clear, looking back on it now, that Trump's strategy, and maybe that's too kind, <laughs> Trump's strategy in the debate was to was to be disruptive. Yeah, I think agitate. Was to see disruptive. If, Absolutely. if he could get uh, Biden to lose his cool, and Biden did lose his cool a couple of times. Yeah, he did. Shut up, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> Would he, you just shut up, man? He could get the old man, in his words, in his thought, get get him angry and off his game and off of the playbook and maybe you know off script and expose him as – you know, what they accuse him of being, which is this old guy who no longer thinks for himself. He's a puppet. He no longer thinks for himself, and he, he, he doesn't he, – he, he can't manage this for more than 20, 30 minutes at a time, et cetera, et cetera. And in many ways, I thought where Trump made his biggest mistake was he if – that's, if that's who Joe Biden is, and quite frankly, at this point, Martin, I think it's the only way Trump wins the election is if Biden gets exposed as being that guy. If you keep interrupting him and you never let him hang himself, yep. And I thought that was where Trump messed up. Quote lost in quote the debate. Yep. Yeah, I said that in uh one of I was commenting on one of my buddies' Facebook posts, and I was just talking about strategy. I wasn't saying like you know, you know, this is how Trump should have won it, or and I was just saying if his strategy was to let Joe. Biden hang himself. He did not allow that to happen. He kept taking the rope out of his hand by interrupting him and never letting him talk. I think I, I, I totally agree with you on that, you know, and I think if Biden's strategy was to, you know, let, you know, Trump look unpolished, unpresidential, you know, a bully, um, which, you know, we got, that's kind of what I expected him to be aggressive coming in. Then, um, you know, and then Biden won, but you know, but, I think I don't think they were both. I think both of them, uh, both of them, did not earn points in my mind. Walking, leaving that debate, I think they both both lost points on that debate. I agree. I think I think you can debate whether one lost more than the other, but sure. nobody won the debate. <laughs> no one won the debate. Yeah, no. it was a, a three person debate, and they all kind of came out. I mean, Wallace basically admits that it was just you know he flew back home after the 
after the debate and, and I think was pretty downtrodden about how it went. I don't think that was what he had in mind. Um, and at one point, to his credit, he said, I don't think you, when he was referring to both of them, are serving America very well right sure. now. And I was going to say America lost that debate. I agree completely. I am interested to see, I think based off that, they, they got pretty good numbers. It was not viewed as much as the first 2016 debate, by the way. Uh, it did have good numbers. I'm curious to see what the numbers will be for the, the second presidential debate. I know there's a VP debate between now and yep. then. But that I, second one... And I'm going to be really, I, I, I'll be totally honest with you, man. I've never really been engaged in the VP debate. I'll, I will be much more engaged in this VP debate than, than anyone I've ever been in the past. And well, not, if for the reason, these are two older people that are running. Correct. Listen, I mean, we keep talking about Biden's age. Trump's no spring chicken nope. from an age point. And, 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 you know, and, and then I think if we, if we're all being honest here, the way I like to do this is to put it like betting odds where you have to put your money on it, not your politics on it. Yeah. If I told you today, hey, Joe Biden wins the election. Okay. Now I say you have to make betting odds about whether Joe Biden will be the Democratic nominee in 2024. Mm. Not happening. You got to put your money on it one way or the other. Now we're not talking about politics anymore. Now we're talking about, okay, we're going to, we got to be a little bit more analytical. I look at it and say, he doesn't look great now. Mm -mm. He doesn't seem sharp now. One of the things that really bothers me about Biden, if I'm being honest, and I'm going to get to my point in a minute. Biden looked with it on um, Tuesday night. On Wednesday morning, when he was at the train station, and they were getting ready to start the, the campaign day from Cleveland to Pittsburgh and wherever, he didn't seem with it. On Tuesday night, on Tuesday night, he looked like uh, sharp. He looked sharp, kind of with it. He was he was a lot more lucid and stuff than people give him credit for being. Yep. On Wednesday morning, he looked like your old, um, not all there anymore, grandfather. Yep. And so, if you made me bet whether he's on the ballot in four years, I would bet no. I, I, would, I, would, bet, I would take that bet too. I would bet no. And, and another reason, because let's just pretend, let's say he does get elected this year, right? And yeah. you, you've seen well, what four years does to a person. Sure. I don't, I don't think if he gets elected, I, I think that the stress and the aging that happens to our president and their, you know, in, during their terms is too much for him to be, a 2024 candidate. I think he would be a one and done. I agree. I think he's a one and done, which puts the, it, it does put more importance on this, this, the VP debate. debate. Absolutely. We, we, we sort of know who Joe, uh, Mike Pence is, right? Whether you like him or not. You, you kind of know who he is. We don't know who Harris is. Harris is a, is a candidate who ran for president and basically her likability numbers were so bad within the Democratic Party that she never, not at any point, got any momentum at all. Elizabeth Warren had some momentum. Uh, Bernie Sanders had momentum. Obviously, Joe Biden had momentum. Uh, at one point, uh, Pete Buttigieg had some momentum. Mm -hmm. um, even at one point uh, in Texas, uh, uh, he ran against Cruz, uh, Beto O'Rourke. Yep. He had some, some momentum. 
At no point did Kamala Harris have momentum at any point. And so we don't know. The truth is we don't know a lot about her as a national candidate. And we'll start to find out. And, and now I think she'll be sharp. One, of the, one yeah. of the podcasts that I listen to a lot is Adam Carolla and Mark Garagos. They have a show every Saturday. And Garagos um, is very familiar with, with Harris from when she was, I guess, the, um, the attorney general in, in California. And he, he, he feels very confident that she will be quite sharp on a, on a VP debate stage. And I don't, think, I don't think it's going to impact necessarily the, the election, but mm-hmm. I do think there will be a lot of interest in it because I think there's a lot of people out there who believe, and I'm not sure that I'm not one of these people, who believe that the Democrats are running the one person who they know can win the election and then putting in someone that they believe will execute policy. Yeah, you know, and because he even got cross with her in in the debate, um, you know, and when he was like, "Hey, I am the Democratic Party," which I don't believe that at all, because Biden is a little bit more of a moderate, and that's and that was one of the reasons why the markets reacted so well, you know, back in the in the early spring when when it became apparent that Biden was going to be. Um, you know, on the top of the ticket versus a Bernie or, or as Trump called her Pocahontas in, um, you know, in the debate. Uh, but, you know, I, I disagree with him that, that he is the Democratic Party. And then he got cross with her with the, you know, with the new Green Deal, um, you know, saying that, that that would, that he is a pretty much opposed to it, that it would not become policy. And I mean, and I and and correct me if I'm wrong, but she was a a, a pretty important piece of the the uh, Green New Deal Act, correct? Her and AOC, oh, big time, yeah, big time. And you know, and he that was one of the moments in the debate where, had it not been off the rails, we we probably could have gotten some clarity. There were there were several moments for both candidates where clarity was needed, and that was one of them where. Uh, Biden says he he's not for the the Green New Deal, and on his web page it says it's a big part of 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 his campaign. And had things been a little calmer, I think Chris Wallace should could would have been able to say, "Well, now here's a discrepancy. I'd like for you to clear this up." And in fairness to Wallace, and frankly in fairness to Biden, the way that Trump was going, I don't think Trump would have given him the opportunity to clear it up. And that's where I think Trump, from a strategic standpoint, made a mistake, a big mistake. I thought his strategy was bad. He There were two or three times where there was an opportunity for Biden to, you know, have to, for example, the white supremacy line. Yeah. And in, in, if, you're, if you're the Trump people, you would have liked for Trump to have said, absolutely, yep. uh, call out or whatever the word is, reject white supremacy and white supremacist. Now, Joe, I'd like to have you call out Antifa. I'd like to hear you reject Antifa. And when Biden said Antifa is just a, a an idea, idea yeah. that would have been an opportunity in a, in, a, in a more polite debate for Chris Wallace to say, with all due respect, Mr. Vice President, that, that's, that's, not, that's not the case. The, 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 the riots that are happening are, are being sponsored by Antifa. 
and I'd like to know your thoughts on that. That would have been uh, a far more compelling moment where we'd have something to talk about other than it was looked fleeting. like two yeah. kids fighting over the last cookie on the playground. That's what it looked like. That's what it felt like. That's what it sounded like. There was no substance. What did we learn about either candidate on Tuesday? Not a damn thing. That's where we got cheated. And I heard people say by the end of it, they kind of felt down. They were sad. They were depressed. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was just ne- neither dudes were were professional or presidential. And I mean, and you think they can be moving forward? Because we still have time. I, There's still two debates left. I one think, in less I than think, two weeks. I think they do it? I think Biden has it in him to be professional and presidential. Um, I don't think Trump has it in him. I think Trump's just strategy is just just to be so aggressive and try to, you know, and bully. And I mean, and and I'm not I'm not talking trash about the guy. I'm just stating my you know how I see it. I don't think that he can. I don't know that he's capable of it. Well, if and, that's the case, this is over. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that he can. If that's the case, it's over. He 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 must. If he has any chance of winning, in my opinion, he absolutely must. Um. Oh, I'm about to have a hot take for you. If he has any take of winning, any chance of winning, he has to overcome that. He has to have a presidential moment because he's the president. He's got to be presidential. Yeah. I was, you know, I was listening to a a um, podcast that I've been listening to, American Election Wicked Games. Oh, yeah. was talking. Bill Clinton was struggling in the polls badly when the um, Oklahoma City bombing happened, mm-hmm. and he went to Oklahoma City and he gave a speech that I remembered. It was a it was a, a incredibly well done speak speech. Uh, Clinton is is an amazing public speaker, and it was a moment where the 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 polling data turned on him because he looked and sounded prof- uh, presidential, and people can say what they want, but we we want that in a president. Look at 9-11 that day. One of the moments that settled us down as a country was George W. Bush that night. And then George W. Bush a couple days later at the site where he stood up with his hand around the firefighter and had the uh, bullhorn. And he said, you know, I hear you and the the whole nation hears you. And soon the people who knocked down these buildings will hear from all of us. And that was this rallying moment, whether and that was less than a year removed from an incredibly contentious election. And a lot of people didn't like George W. Bush. A lot of people didn't think he was the legitimate president. But in that moment, he was presidential. And he represented all of us. And, I mean, a lot of people talk about how they long for those post-9-11 days where yep. we all felt like We were Americans. all unity, yep. And so, you know, we, we, we're in the middle of this very contentious year, people fighting about a virus. I just, I'm watching a baseball game as we talk about this. The Braves and the Reds are playing game two of their wildcard series in Atlanta. Fans are not allowed in the stands, but uh, the Braves built a new stadium uh, out where the, the Battery Atlanta is. Restaurants, bars, hotels, really cool area, really nice. Uh there are thousands of people set up right outside of the stadium in the battery area watching the game on a big screen 
outdoors around each other, not, quote, socially distanced, end quote. It's the, the, the lunacy of they can't come in the stadium, but they can sit outside of it is bizarre. Crazy. Yep. I guess I guess the virus can't get in the stadium, but it, <laughs> it can get in the stadium, yes, but it, not, around, but not it. around it. That's right. The barrier ends at the stadium gates. So my at point the is we're gates. at this place where people are pissy. Yeah. And there's a, no matter who it is, one or both of these guys are going to have to put the country ahead of their personal interests. Ahead of their personal interests. Well, man, and dude, I, I, I want Trump to be presidential. I do. Like, I want him to reflect us as Americans. And, you know, I look back at, at former presidents, and I don't care what side you say. You know, you look at, you know, Obama. I'm not going to talk about the stuff that, he did that people will debate on me about, you know, was he looking out for America's best interest? But he was, a, you know, a cool, calm, collected guy, you know, spoke very eloquently. Like you said, like you said, for Clinton, Clinton was a, a great public speaker. Obama was too. You know, I always thought that he looked and acted presidential. People may argue with me on things that he did or didn't do, and I'm not getting into that piece. Um, you know, and, and even Bush, you're right, after 9-11, you know, looked and act and acted very presidential. And I just haven't, and maybe I've missed it, man, but I haven't seen that from Trump and we've had four years and we've had some opportunities, man. We've had, you know, large natural disasters, you know, not the likes of nine 11 or, you know, the Oklahoma city bombing. Um, you know, we've had, we've had opportunities for him to, to look presidential and, you know, but I know a part of his strategy is to rattle the cages, get people to, do stupid things and make a stupid mistake. And then he's gotcha. Um, yeah, I think part of his plan, I think in his mind, all of that fighting back and, you know, drain the swamp and all of that stuff yeah. appeals to his base. Yeah. Well, I know what you a, mean like when he told Hillary, you know, I'd throw you in jail. And I was just like, Oh my God, <laughs> I knew he wasn't going to do it, but it, yeah, it totally ignited his base. He's president now and you have to act like it. Yeah, I agree. And I like I think that he could get so much done. Running the 2016 campaign in 2020 and it won't work. He was an outsider in 2016. Yeah. He was coming in as the underdog. Yep. Going up against an insider the machine. Yeah. We're belaboring this point, I know. But in 2016, a lot of people, self-included, kind of thought Jeb Bush was going to get the nomination. Jeb Bush didn't get the nomination. America in 2016 was sick of status quo. We were sick of Bushes. We were sick of Clintons. Yep. We were sick of the people who had been in office forever. We wanted something different. Or at least that's what we thought. That's what we said. And so the <laughs> yes. it's, hey, it's one of the reasons that in 2016, Bernie Sanders had so much momentum. Yeah. Bernie got Sanders stolen from different. Him. Young people were fired up about Bernie Sanders. I'm not making fun of anybody, by the way. I'm just I'm, I'm being honest here. I'm, I'm telling you what I see. What I what. and so when Hillary ran, Hillary got a nomination that I think a lot of people kind of felt like was the nomination itself was stolen, mm -hmm. not likable. People mm -hmm. thought, why is she up there? And here comes Trump. The media got massive ratings off Donald Trump. If you go back to the 2016 uh, campaigns before he even got the Republican nomination, the media followed Donald Trump everywhere. Why? Because he got ratings. 
he got ratings. And so they followed him everywhere. And then lo and behold, he gets the nomination. And then lo and behold, he wins. But once he won, you, we all said, okay, well, now he's got to dial it back and he's got to kind of be presidential and he's got to do this and he's got to do that. And You're right. He hasn't. And so expecting him to change it now with yeah. five weeks to go or four weeks to go is insane. Is un- it's not going to happen. Right. And I don't expect it to happen. I would love for it to happen. Um, but, you know, that's not the type of he's – He's not the, you know, he, so if, if I was going to have to wordsmith somebody, he's not the guy I grab. He's the guy I grab when, you know, someone just beat my little brother up in the bar and I'm gathering up the dudes to go, you know, ambush this guy that beat my little brother up. That's, I grab Donald Trump then. I don't grab him to go have, you know, figure things out and have people, you know, make amends and do things very cordially. He's my dude when I'm going to go rough somebody up. Yeah. Interesting times. It really is the, 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 all of it. I think when we look back on this, this calendar year, we need like a six hour show to do it, but, um, <laughs> yes, part we'll do, we'll do have, we'll have six part, a six part show series. Yeah. Well, Probably worth a thought. Yeah. Um, well, dude, and one thing before we pivot, if we're pivoting, and we might not be pivoting, I wanted uh, like so there was something that happened in the debate to where, and maybe I misunderstood what was being conveyed, but so when it was, it was when they were talking about the economy, you know, and you and I have talked previously about you know a lot of times people vote with their pocketbooks, like you know, are they in a better position than they were four years ago? Does their four hundred one k look different than it did four years ago? You know, are they is their life has their life changed for better or for worse since four years ago? And um, you know, I and we were both saying, you know, prior to this was pre coronavirus, like this this is a win for this is a slam dunk for him because people's lives have been have enhanced. You know, uh, the American consumer was the health healthiest that that we've ever been. Um, our four hundred one ks are are growing. Um, you know, folks have lower taxes that they're paying and all around, you know, that's a interest rates are low. You know, the economy is stimulated, business is stimulated. That's a, that sets up for a really good thing. And then of course, coronavirus happens, um, you know, and, and, uh, oh my gosh, Biden, I had a Biden moment. (laughs) Biden, you know, jumps on Trump saying that, you know, he has a terrible economy, a poor economy and that Biden was the one that fixed you know, our economy in 2009 and I'm scratching my head a little bit on that. And, and, you know, and I need, and I probably should go in and do a little more research before I open my mouth, but I don't recall Biden being, you know, a large piece of the reconstruction of the economy in 2009, 10, 11. And I may be totally wrong, um, you know, in that and, you know, for Trump, for, you know, a good, strong, growing economy for, you know, three of the four years that he's been in office. And then an event happened that's a virus. I don't, I don't know. I find it hard to, for the disconnect for saying, you know, Trump destroyed the economy. That's, and that just implies to me that Biden was essentially saying the virus is Trump's fault. And maybe you can help me digest that a little bit. What did you hear from those comments? Um, because I'm, I was kind of scratching my head on 
on that one. Take me through which specifically you wanted me to reference. Yeah, where Biden was saying, you know, he rebuilt the economy and, you know, he inherited a an oh, awful yeah. economy in 2008 and he rebuilt it. You know, he's done that and and that Trump essentially let the economy get no. destroyed this year. And I'm just, I was scratching my head about that. I was like, how can it's you say that? And if, to me, I'm glad you said that. I was kind of, I was kind of thinking about something else as you were talking. Gotcha, um, gotcha. No, it's okay. We're, I was having a Biden moment myself. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think if you want to be critical of Wallace, this is the one area where I think you can be critical of Wallace more than the other because I don't think he controlled Trump the other night. Uh, that would have been a good place for him to stop, stop him and say, now, wait a minute. Here's where the economy was in January. Yep. This is where it was. Um, this is why it went here. And Mr. Vice President, this is what you said. And now you're, you're advocating more shutdowns, if that's what the scientists tell you. You're advocating what would be, what we've proven to be devastating to the economy. You're advocating more of it. Yes. Why? Then the other thing that didn't come up that I was disappointed in, and it could have been because it just came up so late. The uh, document was unclassified that basically proves that the Obama White House, this should be a much bigger scandal than it is, that the Obama White House was actively engaged in trying to sabotage a presidential campaign. Dude, I totally missed that. Um, I know. I and, uh, so our house would, and full disclosure that to have come up and for Biden, who was the vice president to Obama, part of my problem with, with all of it, the, all the change that you're going to implement. This is my only criticism really of Biden. All the change that you're going to implement, you were the white, you were the vice president of the United States of America for eight years. Under Barack Obama, one of the most popular presidents among Democrats in history, modern or otherwise. You, Barack Obama was and is black. And when you talk about all the things that you're going to do for the black community, why didn't you do it in those eight years? You've been in Congress. You've been a senator. You've had a long, prestigious political career. You're in your mid to late 70s, and you're waiting till now? Why? That's, that's my criticism of, of Biden is really that simple. It's not all the other crap. I, get, I, don't, I know that his stuff about his son is, 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 is pertinent to a degree, maybe to a large degree. I'd yeah. like that conversation. Man. You're talking about all of the things that, that, that you're alleging Trump has done to the African-American community. You were the vice president for eight years, directly preceding Donald Trump. The president was a black man who was elected, legitimately elected twice to the White House. Why didn't you do it then? My, that's my criticism. Yeah, I'd I mean, like, that's, the, that's the debate that I'd like to have. The mudslinging personal stuff, while it's fun for the, and I was, I was 
man, for 30 minutes, I was like, this is awesome. Give this to me every night. Then it was like, no, never mind. You mean you want the train wreck with the dumpster fire on it every night? I, I, I liked it for about 30 minutes. I did. And <laughs> man, then, it, then it was destructive. And the it's, one, the one thing that I was really disappointed in, and, and you kind of, you, 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 you uncovered, you, you dug it up was, um, you know, when they talked about Biden's son, when Trump kind of made the comments about Biden's son, cause you, I remember when there were comments made about, you know, uh, Trump's Baron, the, their teenager, um, you know, comments were made about him from other parts. And I was just like, man, it is so not cool to, to attack the kids, like attack the candidate all you want to, but don't, don't attack the kids. It's just, I don't know, man, maybe I just have the line in the sand where I say the kids should be, you know, off limits. And I get that one, that his son was allegedly tied up in, you know, some shady stuff with, uh, you know, with energy companies abroad, but you know, his, the stuff about, you know, drug addiction and those type of things like that, that doesn't need to leave that alone. It don't attack a, 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 someone's kid like that. I just, I just yeah. don't like that part. There was a lot there. Sounds like you and I are generally on the same page on it. And I don't know. It's, um, it's a fascinating time. I know there's some other things that we, we, we were planning to get to. We've been going pretty good while now. Um, yeah, almost 50 minutes. Anything else you want to touch on before we, we wrap it up? I know we have some other things planned for the next few weeks. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, you know, all in all, I, I thought the debates would kind of give us a more, a, a clearer picture of, of the candidates, which I, th- you know, I'm just kind of wrapping it up. Like, I don't, I'm, like you said earlier, I'm walking away without any more clear of a picture on, on either of their plans. It didn't seem like Biden had much of plans at all. Although, I mean, I realized that, that, that they are there, but he didn't talk about them a lot. I thought it'd been a great time for him to talk about, you know, some of his plans. And if for worse, like, Hey, let's talk about your plans for the economy post coronavirus. Like what would it look like under, you know, a Biden world? How would, how would you have handled it differently? And none of that stuff happened. So, you know, I think some more direction from them, from both of them is, is needed for us to, uh, you know, kind of have a, a more clear picture of, of who we are electing, you know, um, in November. And I think that, the, you know, the economy or the markets, not the economy, the markets, like we've said in the past, they want certainty. Um, and with more uncertainty, it's going to make markets, you know, probably going to be a little more nervous. I don't expect that October is going to be a, um, you know, a positive month in the markets. It may be flat. It may be slightly negative. It may be slightly positive. Uh, but I think there's just a lot of chaos and turmoil that's, that still exists with regards to the elections. Um, you know, hopefully we don't have any of the craziness like we're starting to see in Europe where there's other countries that are starting restrict, you know, putting restrictions back in, um, you know, and lockdowns starting to happen again, that would be catastrophic. I think we've seen that it's possible to coexist with this virus and not have to take these draconian measures, um, you know, just localize things. Um, so if, if, if we don't see a COVID shutdown in October, uh, the only thing that can make things a little bumpy is going to be this election stuff and hopefully it gets resolved. Yeah, I hope so. All right, we'll stop there. We'll come back uh, next week. I think Thursday might actually be a good day, Martin. It might might make sense. We'll we'll yeah. talk about it, you yeah, and yeah. I can, over the next few days. We'll be back next week at some point, whether it's Tuesday or Thursday. We've got a couple things we're working on. 
for uh, Mind on My Money. But I uh, appreciate you all listening. And uh, for Martin Palomo, I'm Neil McCready. That does it for this edition of Mind on My Money, presented by Pinnacle Trust. Don't forget, it's pintrust.com, P-I-N-N trust.com. Tell them that you heard about Pinnacle Trust on the podcast. You'll get 10% off your first year's fees. Until then, take care.